Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. All right. Well, uh, I want to I talk to you about redemption to begin with. You know, Jesus, the, his sole purpose for coming was really to get you and I in relationship with God the Father. That was his purpose. In order to do that, he had to go through the cross. So he's on the cross. He's redeeming us. He's paying for our sins. And, of course, we all call that Good Friday, right? Uh, good for us, bad for Jesus. All right? So I, I think Jesus probably called that Bad Friday because he's paying for our sins. And even during this, this time on the cross of redemption, he's teaching us lessons. And if you look at all four of the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus made seven statements from the cross. No one Gospel has all of them. But when you look at all the Gospels, you see everything that he did, right? Uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, the, the Message Bible says it like this. It says, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasite sins. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. I want you to notice a couple of things here. It, it tells us that Jesus really didn't go to the cross. He went through the cross. The Bible says that he wasn't focused on the cross. He was looking at the joy that was set before him. He was looking way beyond the circumstances, the problems, the suffering that was right in front of him. Now, that's so important when any of us are moving in the direction that God has called us to. Because we're going to go through stuff. The Bible says that all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Stuff is going to happen. But we've got to keep our eyes on where we're going. But notice it says, study how he did it. Study how he did it. And really, I'd like to take and just take a look a little bit at what Jesus did. You know, if you study how he did it, look at the fact he was misunderstood, he was mistreated, he was misquoted, he was hated, he was lied about, he was ostracized, he was betrayed, he was arrested, went through a mock trial, he was crucified. Right? All of that's going on, and he's making the, he's on the cross, he's redeeming us, and the first thing that Jesus said is this, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Now, I think that's very important that it's the first thing that he said. Because really, what we're supposed to do, because we receive grace, now by the way, how many of you know grace is what you don't deserve? Right? We are supposed to extend grace. Because we receive forgiveness, we are supposed to give forgiveness. Right? So, that wasn't just something Jesus did. It's something for you and me. In Mark 11, Jesus is teaching, really he's teaching about faith. 
you find the most in-depth teaching on faith anywhere in the Bible in Mark 11. And then Jesus says this, and whenever you stand praying, some translations say every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. If you have anything against anyone, now it's every time, and it's anything, doesn't matter what they did, anyone, doesn't matter who they are. And, and the truth is, it's normally the people that are the closest to us that hurt us the most. And not that they necessarily do something worse than somebody else, but we're so open to them. You know, if uh, when the service is over, you come up to me and, and say, you know, I think that's the worst sermon I ever heard. You're the worst pastor I've ever heard. You know, I go, oh, man, that's a bummer. But now if my wife, Jeannie, said that, ooh, that'd be different, right? There'd be a different effect. It's the people that are closest to you, right? So it's all-inclusive every time you pray. How many believe Jesus thought you'd pray at least once a day? Yep. Anything, doesn't matter what they did, anyone, doesn't matter who it was. He said, forgive. Uh, it's been over 20 years ago that Jeannie and I were at a conference in Seattle, and we were listening to Dr. Cho, who pastors the largest church in the world, some 800,000 members in his church. He said this statement. He's, by the way, he's one of my heroes. I'm not mocking him, but this is what he said. He said, I must pray four hours every day because I hate so many people. I must forgive. <laughs> How many of you, maybe you, <laughs> you might need to pray a little more too, right? But notice that Jesus said every time. So here's what that tells me. Two things. Number one, a lot of stuff is going to happen to you. Right? And secondly, listen, even though you forgive somebody, sometimes it comes back up. You, know, you, you, you really do. You, you, you forgive them, but then you see them or something happens and it, it just comes back at you. So what do you do? You pray again. And you, you keep on praying for that person, right? You know, we release the pain, the hurt, the shame, the blame, right? We release that to God, right? And we say, God, I forgive that person. I, and literally what we're saying is I demand no recompense. I am not going to try to get even. Right? I'm not holding this against them. I turn them over to you, right? Now, <clears throat> The, the truth is, the, you're going to have to forgive some people that are just trying to ruin your life. It seems like it's their spiritual gift. They try to ruin your life, all right? In the, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In, in uh, Luke's Gospel, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? And uh, he thought he's being generous. He said, up to seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And this was the, the disciples responded to Jesus, and this is what they said. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, it's really important that we look at what they said, because what they said was this, I need faith to forgive. We think we need feelings to forgive. You don't need feelings, you need faith. Because you don't forgive by feeling, you forgive by faith. Right? It's a, you, you decide to forgive, 
You make that decision, and then Jesus said you pray for them, and then eventually the feelings come. But the feelings don't come first. The faith and the forgiveness comes first. And then as we pray for the person, the forgiveness comes. So Jesus answers them and says, you know, the 70 times 7, they say increase our faith, and then he tells them this story. He says there's this man, and he's in debt to his king for billions of dollars. And when he can't pay, he asks for mercy. And the king forgives him everything. And he goes out and he finds a fellow servant who owes him $20. And he grabs him by the throat and says, pay me. And he says, just give me time. But he has him thrown in prison, in the debtor's prison. And when the king hears about it, he calls that man. And he said, "Uh, I forgave you that great debt. Shouldn't you also have forgiven your fellow servant? the debt that they owed against you. And then he took him, and the Bible says he delivered him to the tormentors. Now, it's a picture, first of all, of no matter what someone has done to us, we've done more to wrong God. And he forgives us, and we need to forgive whoever does anything against us. But notice he said that they'll they'll be delivered to the tormentors. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. You know, when we don't forgive, we give place to the devil. Another translation says, Don't give Satan a foothold. Or don't give Satan an opportunity. When we don't forgive, it's like we're opening the door for Satan to come in and to attack our life. There's a great example of this is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17 in your Bibles. Or exactly 18. Chapter 17, maybe the best known story in the entire Bible. It's David killing Goliath. Right? Chapter 18, they're coming back from that great victory, and the Bible says the ladies come out and they're playing their tambourines and they're dancing and they're singing, and they say, Saul is slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Well, when Saul heard that, the Bible says he's very angry. It displeased him. And he said, they've ascribed to David tens of thousands. But to me, they've ascribed but thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? Verse 9 says, and he eyed David from that day forward. In verse 10, and it happened on the next day that a distressing and evil spirit from God came upon Saul. So one day, he let something in his heart against David. And the next day, The next day, an evil spirit shows up. The Bible says when we don't forgive, we give Satan an opportunity, a foothold. We give him an open door. We've got to be so careful. And and sometimes it's really little things. Sometimes it's big things. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. See to it that no one falls away from God's grace, that no bitterness spring up to cause trouble. And spoil everybody's life. And spoil what? Everybody's life. Because here's what we think. We think that we can take unforgiveness and focus it like a laser beam. But it's always like a hand grenade. Right? Because it does something not to that other person. It does something to you. Somebody said, when you forgive, what you're doing is not helping the other person. What you're doing is setting yourself free. Someone says unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then waiting for somebody else to die because it affects you. 
And the Bible says it spoils everybody's life because it taints how you see everything. It taints how you treat not just that person. It taints how you treat everybody. And it doesn't just spoil your life. It spoils everybody's life. You know, I heard about a, a, a simple young man down, down south, and he was going into the general store where a bunch of the men were sitting around, and he had a coat on, and he was laughing, and they said, well, what are you laughing about? He said, well, you know how Billy Bob comes in every day. And Billy Bob comes over, and he smacks me on the chest and says, how am I doing? He says, look here, I got dynamite. He says, this time when he hits me right there, he's going to blow his hand off. That's funny. Even if you ain't laughing, that's funny. But that's what unforgiveness is like. You might blow somebody's hand off, but you're going to blow your chest off. Right? Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9. It says, don't hasten. Listen, listen. This is a powerful scripture. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry because anger rests in the bosom of the fool. Anger rests in the bosom of the fool. Here's, here's what happened to This was years ago. I, I went to the bank to cash a check. And, and the cashier just about bit my head off. I mean, she was just like, whoa, mad. You know, I got back to the car and I thought, what did I do? I thought I went in, I was smiling, I was, I was nice. And, and what I realized was I didn't do anything. I didn't make her mad, she woke up mad. Now, there are people that wake up mad every day. Some of them have been that way for a month. Some of them have been that way for a year. Some of them have been that way for 20 years. The Bible says that in a fool's heart, there's anger just right under the surface, always waiting to explode. Anger rests in the bosom of the fool. And it always has to do with one thing, unresolved conflict. There is somebody who did something to you that hurts you. You're mad about it. You have never released that person. And that anger is just right there underneath the surface. How many of you have ever seen this? You did something or saw someone do something to someone. And all of a sudden, they totally explode. And it is totally out of proportion to anything that has happened. How many of you have ever seen something like that? See, that, what they did did not make them mad. That anger was right there underneath the surface. It was resting. It was just waiting to, to, to explode. And when we do not forgive, we think that we live a normal life, but we do not live a normal life. That anger is just right there. But when you forgive, you get set free. Joyce Myers uh, has come and spoke for us a number of times. One of the first times that she came to us was, uh, I think it was 20 years ago. She came to speak. She was in between services, and our, our safety team uh, spotted a lady who was acting rather strange. And when they approached her, she, she came out with a knife. And she came with the intent on killing Joyce Myers. Now, Joyce is rather free about her testimony, and this is kind of where it went. When, when she was young, her father began raping her, molesting her. And she said it happened over 200 times. So she grew up, she, she got out of the home, and kind of seemed like things were going around nor quite, quite normal for her. 
And she says, but God began to deal with her. And uh, she forgave her father. In fact, uh, they bought a home for her parents. And right next to their house, as they were getting older, and moved them into that house. She said, I paid every one of their bills. I bought them cars. I paid every one of their bills. She says, and as my father got older, he finally admitted what happened. He came over and he asked me for forgiveness. And he asked God to forgive him. And he got saved. And she got to water baptize him. Right? Now, this lady came. And she said, nobody can have happened to them what she says happened to her and be normal like she is. She says, because that happened to me. He says, I'm going to kill that liar. Now, this is what Joyce said. She said, she says, I'm almost happy that it happened to me. He says, because of what ha happened to me, I became the person that I am today. Now, I want to just say something. In Romans 8, it says that God works all things together for good. God will take whatever we go through and turn it to good. He'll use it in our lives. But God is not the source of the evil that takes place in our lives or in this world. But notice what happened when she forgave. She said it made a difference in her life, right? And what happened to her family. That's why the Bible tells us, Jesus told us, you know, when you forgive, he says, you pray. You pray for them. You don't pray they have a car wreck. Right? You pray God reveal himself to them. Uh, 45 years ago, Jeannie and I were in Bible college, and we had a guest speaker named Corey Tenboom. Anybody ever hear of Corey Tenboom? She and her family were in the Netherlands in the beginning of World War II. And as the, the Nazis were beginning to gather up the Jews and send them into concentration camps, they began to hide them in their home. And they were part of a system where they were systematically trying to get these Jewish people out of the Nazi-dominated areas where they would be free. Well, they were, they were caught. And when they were caught, they were sent to a concentration camp. Her father, herself, and her sister. Her father died in just a couple of weeks from the conditions in the concentration camp. But uh, she and her sister, uh, they lived uh, quite a bit of time under the torment that was, was taking place there and the tremendous abuse that they went through. And ultimately, her sister died as well in that concentration camp. Well, after the war... She began going around speaking and talking about the experiences that she had had in the concentration camp as well as the power of forgiveness. She's in Germany in 1947, and she's giving a message in this church. And she says, and as I dismissed the service and people began to sleep, she said, I saw him working his way forward against the crowd. One moment... I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, and the next I saw the blue uniform, the visor cap with the skull and the crossbones, and it came back in a rush. The huge room with its harsh headlights overhead, the shoes stacked on the floor, the pile of dresses, and the shame of walking in front of this man naked. This was one of the guards from the camp. This was one of the cruelest guards 
from the camp, one who had abused her and her sister. And he came up and said, Fairline, what a great message on forgiveness that all of our sins are in the bottom of the sea. And he stuck out his hand and he said, uh, I was a guard in one of the camps. He said, will you forgive me? And she said, I looked at him and I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew I was supposed to stretch out my hand and I was supposed to forgive him. But the abuse that both she and her sister had suffered at his hand was right in front of her. And she, she says, it took a moment. She said, but I stuck out my hand and I said, I forgive you in Jesus' name. I forgive you. And she says, when I did, she said, the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart just flooded down into my being. Now, I can't guarantee you that you're going to feel something the second that you forgive. Right? But I can tell you this, that when you forgive, you set yourself free. You set yourself free when you forgive. It's not that, that what they did was right. It's not that they're not going to have to stand before God, but you release them to God. That's why the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. How many of you know when Jesus comes back, he will right every wrong? He will right every wrong. But what we're supposed to do is turn him over to him. And we're supposed to pray for those people, right? Uh, during the genocide in Armenia in 1915 to 1917, over a million Armenians were murdered by the Ottoman Turks. Uh, and it was the Christians, specifically targeting the Christians. There's a very well-known story about a young lady who if a Turkish officer, along with his men, raided their home. They immediately shot both of the parents, raped this girl and her sister. They killed the sister. The officer kept this girl as a sex slave. A few years later, she was able to escape. She became a nurse. That same officer ended up as a patient in the hospital where she was. She knew who he was, but he didn't recognize her. He, she gave him exceptional care. And ultimately, his condition turned. And the doctor said, if it wasn't for that nurse, he says, there's no question that you would have died. And when she came over, he said, uh, don't I know you? And she says, yes. And she told who she was. And he says, why didn't you kill me? And, and her answer was so simple. She said, because I'm a follower of the one who said to love your enemies. I'm a follower of the one who said to love your enemies. You know, that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We are supposed to love our enemies. And Jesus told us there are things that we're supposed to do to those that mistreat us. Jesus said, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Notice Jesus said, bless them. Now, how do you bless somebody? 
Well, you can bless them with your words. You can bless them by the things that you do. Right? But when you begin to do the opposite of what the world would tell you to do, see, that's when the Spirit of God is able to move in your life and in that life. You know, we, we are right now as a nation in a situation where there is so much racial turmoil. You know? But the answer to the racial turmoil is not getting even. The answer is praying for those that persecute you and spitefully use you. The answer is to bless those who mistreat you. That's God's answer. God's answer is very different than the world's answer. Jesus says to bless them. Jesus said to pray for them. Wow. He says to love your enemies, to bless those who curse you, to bless and do not curse. In Romans 12 again, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. A number of years ago, uh, in fact, this was... We've probably only been pastor. We've been pastoring 47 years. No, 47, 37, 37 years where we are right now. And we've probably been there about three years. And I heard about a man in our church. And this man, several people came and told me, look, he's saying this about you. He's saying this about you. He's saying this about the church. And so I had my secretary call him up and uh, planned to meet him. And I was going to have what is called a clarification meeting, sometimes called a confrontation. You know, I mean, I had all my ducks in a row, right? And I remember that morning, I was reading in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it came across the, the, the scripture where it says, you know, when someone speaks evil of you, don't take it to heart. And I thought, well, God, I've, you know, he's hurting the church, you know, he's doing this, and, and they... I just felt like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So uh, we met, and I told him what God was doing in the church and about the vision of the church and prayed for him and prayed for his family, and, uh, and we left. Um, from that day to this, he has been one of my best supporters in the church. He and his wife are in the church. His kids are in the church. His grandkids are in the church, and now some of his great-grandkids are in children's church. I mean, you know, that's a whole lot better. You know, it's a whole lot better. Romans 12, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good in the sight of all men. And if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, don't avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, the world's method is when evil is done, you return it with evil. And it's just a continual cycle of evil. But the Bible says you break that cycle by doing good when somebody does you evil. Somebody says, but they don't deserve it, but neither do you. How many of you know what we've received is grace, what we don't deserve? And what we're supposed to pass on, again, is what we don't deserve. Now, let me just close by saying what could happen. Right? That person 
who you forgive, you turn them over to God, and it's very possible they reap what they sow. Very possible. It is possible that, and, and hopefully this is what happens, that they turn to the same God that you returned, turn to and receive forgiveness for their sin, and it is wiped out and cast into the bottom of the sea, just like your sins have been. But if not, there is a judgment day. And on that day, every wrong will be made right. I remember a number of years ago, a mother came up, literally in tears. Her daughter had been molested by the man that she was living with. It had gone to court. The, the young girl, five years old, was very articulate about what had happened. But the judge had ruled that because of her age, her testimony was not admissible. And as a result, the man got off. And uh, she came and she was just in tears and just said, you know, there's just no justice. There's no justice. And I said to her, in this world, it may appear that there is no justice, but there is a judgment day and the righteous judge the judge of all the earth, he will do right. There is a judgment day. Nobody gets away with anything. Either it gets covered by the blood, they reap what they sow, or they comes up on judgment day. But nobody gets away with anything. When we forgive somebody and we demand no recompense and we turn them over to God and we bless those who curse us, right? And we pray for those who mistreat us. Right? We turn that over to God. Right? And in this life, we are set free. And the grace that we've received, we pass on. We pass on. Right? And the best thing that can ever happen is that person that mistreated you receives the same grace that you received and I received. Right? But don't ever think there's no justice. Either Jesus paid for that sin or it will be paid for on judgment day. So one thing we never want to do, and we would never want to have that unforgiveness in our hearts, right? because when it's there, it creates conflict, it creates anger that's just waiting underneath the surface, waiting under the surface. So as uh, we close this morning, uh, I'd like you to pray with me, and if there's something in your heart against somebody, uh, I want you to pray this prayer. You can pray it in your heart. You can pray it out loud. But I'd like you to pray with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name. And right now, I release to you those people that have hurt me, that have abused me, that have lied about me, that have cursed me. I release them. And in your mind, just, just speak those names out to God. Father, I ask that you reveal yourself to them. I ask that the Holy Spirit would come and fall on them and grant them repentance of their sins and that they'd come to Jesus to know him as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Saying as every head's bowed and as every eye is closed, if you're here or you're online right now, but you're not right with God. You're away from the Lord today. And you say, I, I know I'm, I'm not where I should be with God. What do I need to do? 
You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. See, what that means is this, that all of the good works I could do could never make me right with God. And all of your good works could never make you right with God. There is just one way, and that's through Jesus. So Jesus said, you must be born again. So what does that mean? It means you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. And when you do that, he comes inside and he makes you new. You're right with God. You're forgiven. You're a part of his family. And you're on your way to heaven. And wherever you're at, right here online, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you say, I'm not right with God. I'm away from God. I'm not where I should be. And I want, to be, I want to be forgiven. I want to be right with God. I, I want to surrender to Jesus. Would you pray this prayer out loud? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. And my past is gone. And I'm a part of your family on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E.org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.